Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. If you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show, you will see a picture of us with a dear, dear friend. It is so good to see him. The Swirsk is in the house. Yes. How you doing, Chuck? WGN Radio, 720 a.m. <laughs> Wow. This wow, is like yeah. Back to the Future. How about it? Chuck, of course, is the play-by-play announcer for the Chicago Bulls and been an NBA announcer for 20, 25 years 25. now, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, when you walked in, I said, Chuck, you haven't aged. How can this be? No, I don't. <laughs> you got 50 years in the business, which yes. is crazy. Yep. And I'm the Benjamin Button of radio. <laughs> I'm going backward. That's but, good. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems like yesterday I walked through Bradley Place mm-hmm. as a 27-year-old kid coming off from, you know, rock and roll radio with Steve and Gary. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, and Dan Fabian, at that time the program director at GN, Wayne Vriesman, was the GM. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Dan was such an instrumental part of my broadcast sure. world so i love every moment of gm radio and chuck was doing sports uh on the wally phillips show as well as the bob collins yes, show i yep. was doing uh drive time on both i yeah. mean you know, wally like was me through. i was doing traffic on yes. both morning and afternoon i told the story earlier uh i was in a little closet down the hall from the main studios i remember and i i you got points in my world when Bob Collins says, um, this Johnny Gale, I don't know what she looks like. And Chuck, you said, well, you know, bewitched Elizabeth Montgomery. That's correct. And I said, yeah. oh, I love him. <laughs> yep, that's that's and a true story. We were just in our 20s at that time. I know. And I used to love it when uh, Collins would just get driven up the wall anytime you would ask him to play Karma Chameleon. Yes. Yes. I tried to introduce him to Boy George. In fact, I wanted him to go to a concert. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and, but he he refused. But that's all right because I love Bob very, very much. And we got along. People thought that there was some kind of friction between the two of us because Bob loved to use me as like, not necessarily as somebody that he could, you know, bounce things off of, but things that he could hammer things off of. Yes, amen. Well, we, but we, we t- love him. We were telling the story earlier. You probably remember the April Fool's Day that Johnny and I thought it would be a fun idea to say, well, Bob Collins isn't coming today. So we'd been on the air since 11 at night. It is now 530 in the morning. Collins is back in his office, and he heard us saying this, and he said, I'm well, not then I'm not coming on the air. So we had him on the phone. He wouldn't come in the studio. And if you remember, we finally got him in the studio when you went and stood outside his office and started singing Small World. Yes. And he came out screaming, make <laughs> it stop. Said, okay. That's enough. <laughs> I said, I'll go to work, make him stop. Well, how about Groundhog Day? Yes. Yeah. yes. And he yes. would send me out on Michigan <laughs> Avenue. To see if you saw your shadow. To see if I saw my shadow. And then there was, uh, remember Planter, Planter Peanut? The, the, and, and Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut mm-hmm. was outside the GN studio on Michigan Avenue. Yes. And uh, Bob said, go out there and make a deal. We're hungry. (laughs) 
And you did. And I did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And working at this radio station for 12 years, starting in 1982, Chuck got to do, being the sports guy that you are, you got to do some incredible things. 1985 Bears. Yes. Yeah. You got to go and do the Super Bowl coverage, Correct. right? Because we were the Bears station at that yes, time. Yes, we were. Well, that had to be one of the pinch-me moments in your life. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, I was fortunate to do the pre-half and post, mm-hmm. and what happened is the the radio rights, GN actually won the rights during the 84 season. And because of that, we had an entire year to prepare for 1985. Mm-hmm. And so, again, Dan Fabian triggered this whole process of finding the right people and he did a magnificent job i mean dan was way ahead of his time as a visionary what he Mm -hmm. wanted what he was looking for in terms of on-air talent behind the scene everything Mm -hmm. and if you remember our production on game day was off the charts Mm -hmm. outside soldier field yep and that remote We did tailgate parties in this huge trailer outside Soldier Field. It was great. And the crowd would be like a a sea of humanity as far as you could see. Mm -hmm. So you also were uh, doing sports for this radio station in the Michael Jordan days. During the Michael Jordan days. And we were doing DePaul basketball. I was doing the yes. play-by-play with Ray Meyer as my color analyst. And, yeah. And you, know, you guys got to be really oh, close Oh, my friends. goodness. We were very, very, very close. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of our conversations really didn't deal with sports. I mean, it was mm-hmm. about life. It was about history. Um, Coach Ray was an amazing human being. Mm-hmm. I think about him quite a bit. His book is on my shelf in my office. Mm-hmm. And every day... I look at his picture because the impact he had on my world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, there are a few people in, in Chuck's world, and he writes about him in his book about how important they were making him who he is today. Uh, his book is entitled Always a Pleasure, and we're talking with Chuck Swirsky. Yes, he spent some years here at WGN Radio, but indeed he is the guy doing the play-by-play for the Chicago Bulls. We're going to take a quick break and come right back with the Swirsk. This used to drive Bob Collins yes, nuts. <laughs> We're talking with Chuck Swirsky, Steve King, and Johnny Putman, and for Lisa Dent at WGN Radio. But I can remember so many times, any time you would get him to play this or get the engineer to play that, Collins would go nuts. Well, uh, Boy George performed at the Park West. Mm-hmm. And I tried and tried. I said, Bob, just come with me. Mm-hmm. You know, just stay like 15, 20, 30 minutes. And then we can talk about it tomorrow on the no. <laughs> but one thing about Bob is that when I came into the studio, he was always like he was locked in. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the advent of cell phones. And Bob had one of the first cell phones. <laughs> yes. It looked like a shoebox. Yes. Remember that? And he wasn't shy about walking through a restaurant talking on it. Yes. So the whole world would look and go. We, we <gasps> met him for lunch one day. Uh, Bob and Christine, and we're walking through this. It was an Italian restaurant, and he's literally carrying this big honking cell phone and talking, talking loudly it. as he's walking through the restaurant. <laughs> yep. Well, we're talking. I, I love Bob. Well, I, I mean, there's a story in the book, shameless plug, but it's a story that really shows the type of man Bob was. So, my mom was ill. She had leukemia, cancer, a combination of both, and she was near death. And I went in to Bob because the hospital had called and said, listen, you got to get back here. She probably has 24 hours to live. And so 
I went to see Bob in his office, and it was about 4 a.m. in the morning. I had a 6 a.m. flight. I said, Bob, I want to let you know, here's the story. No one really knows what's been going on. He reaches into his back pocket, pulls out his wallet, and hands me a ton of cash. Okay? Mm-hmm. And he goes, take it. Take whatever you need. I said, no, 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 no. That's, I'm just telling you, I'm going to be off the air for I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you got my number. If you need money, if you need anything, boom, right mm-hmm. on the spot. Yeah. And he said, I love you. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, talking to Chuck Swirsky about, it, again, we could go on all night about these stories. By, because by the way, I, I'm going to interrupt you and hit the blatant plug light, the book and where you get it okay. and, and all of that. Thank you. So you can go online. Eckhart's Press, they right. did an amazing job with the book. Many thanks to Rick and David. And it's uh, Chuck Swirsky, that's S-W-I-R-S-K-Y, ChuckSwirskyTheBook.com. And a portion of the proceeds go to Chicago Bulls Charities to help families and children in need. And one of the things, great things about the Bulls organization and Jerry and Michael Reinsdorf, they are so committed to our city, to our community, to children, to schools, to the youth that I love. And so I decided, you know, if I'm going to write this book, and I really, you know, I was torn whether or not to do it. I had been approached several times to write a book. I said no. And then maybe the timing of my 25th year in the NBA, my 2000th game is coming up January 13th. I said, let's do it. 50 years in broadcasting, a lot of stories. And so that's, you know, part of the proceeds go to charity. Well, good for you. You have never lost your enthusiasm. In fact, we were listening to you. What was it? Uh, it? It was about a week or so ago in that game where literally there was the last second toss in the book. I thought you were going to have cardiac arrest yeah. right there. You, you have <laughs> never lost your enthusiasm. Nope. nope. And the day I lose my enthusiasm, I am out the door. See, to me, here's the story. You can have the greatest skill set in the world. You can be the best doctor, you can be the best broadcaster, the best lawyer, best school teacher, education, whatever the case may be. But if you don't have enthusiasm, and if you don't have a great attitude, you will never reach your maximum level of professionalism or of excellence within the soul and the framework of what you're all about in your DNA. I'm convinced of that. Mm -hmm. And so every time the Bulls play, it's a gift. I mean, this is what I wanted to do ever since I was a little Mm -hmm. boy. And in fact, one of the reasons why I left GN, and it was the most difficult decision, Dan Fabian, at that time then the GM, Mm -hmm. he calls me and says, listen, I can't get a deal done with DePaul. I had been doing DePaul for years. And he said, I just, we've hit a a, a roadblock. It's a snag. I can't help it. We got to move on. I'm bringing in Northwestern, and they have a broadcaster in Dave Ennett. Mm-hmm. And Dave is the voice, the right. face of yep. Northwestern. I love Dave. I've known David over 40 years. So I said, Dan, I get it. You know what? I totally understand. Two weeks later, after that conversation, I get a call from Ernie Harwell, who is the Hall of Fame voice of the Detroit Tigers mm-hmm. and one of the mentors that I met when I was 11 years young. And he goes, I want to let you know, that University of Michigan and WJR, which is like the mm-hmm. GM of Detroit, WJR is looking for a guy to do basketball, play-by-play, pre-half and post-Michigan football, and 
afternoon drive, mm-hmm. and I've recommended you. And out of nowhere, I get a call from JR, and I'm in Detroit a month later. And without that job as play-by-play announcer for the University of Michigan, I don't get the Raptors job in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm in Toronto for 10 years doing TV and radio. And, and you we- became a citizen of Canada. Yes, yep. I did. Yep. And I love Toronto, and I love the Raptors. But when the Bulls call, you pick up the red phone. Yep. <laughs> and the red phone was the Reinsdorf family, the Bulls organization, and that was 15 years ago. I remember when you went to Michigan, and I had such mixed feelings. I was happy. As I did. F- I was happy for you. Yep. But I was sad that we weren't going to get to hear you on a regular basis. And then when everything happened and you wound up coming back to Chicago, it was yes. Yeah. Well, it was very hard, Steve, to to leave GN. And Dan Mm -hmm. made it very clear. You can stay here for life. I mean, we love you. Bob Mm -hmm. loves you. You're doing Bears pre, half and post, Cubs pre and post, the whole bit. And yet, you know what? Inside, I had that little thing called the sizzle. And the sizzle Mm -hmm. was play-by-play. And I love basketball, and fortunately, things worked out. Chuck, you tell a great story uh, about Bob and his reaction to your mom uh, and her illness. Uh, In your book, you write just wonderful things about your mom. She was a very special human being. You are who you are because of that woman. That's correct. Who who was your earliest professional mentor? Who was it that you, you followed along? Either they didn't know it, or maybe they did know Well, uh, one of the first mentors was a guy by the name of Vince Bagley. And Vince was the TV sports director of WBAL in Baltimore. And how I got to know Vince is that uh, my uncle was a priest in Baltimore. And the Bagley family attended his church. Hmm. And so uh, when my dad died, I was in the sixth grade. And my uncle said to the Bagley family, you know, I have a nephew who loves sports. He wants to be a sports broadcaster. Would you mind if you spoke to him? And Vince Bagley said, speak to him. He can stay with us during the summer. Mm. So I flew from Seattle to Baltimore, stayed in the home with the Bagley family. They had five children. I became the sixth. (laughs) And I went every day to Channel 11, WBAL in Mm. Baltimore, to and from. I saw the six, the 11. I was going to Oriole games. He was good friends with Brooks Robinson, Johnny Unitas. I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Brooks Robinson walks in the door like it's nothing special. I, I, wow, that's Brooks. But I mean, he was really the first mentor. Yeah. And I learned so much from him, especially dealing with people and how personal he was with the male guy and with just people that would show up out of nowhere and how he would look them in the eye. He would remember names. And I promised myself if I ever got in that position, I would do the same. Mm-hmm. What was the moment when you went from, I really, really like this, to, I'm going to be able to make a living doing this? Well, that's a very difficult question because to this day, I battle insecurities. Mm -hmm. I still believe, and I'm glad I believe, that I need to show up every day Mm -hmm. and fight for it. Mm-hmm. Because I think if you become too comfortable in life, you're going to lose your edge. And I know that I am in a very competitive, tough, nasty, but uh, exciting world 
of sports broadcasting. I've never taken it for granted, will never take it for granted, and won't take it for granted simply because I want to make sure that every broadcast is better than the one I had yesterday. We had a game last night against Houston, and the Bulls were going into the game, three-game win streak, feeling good. It's been an up-and-down season, injuries, inconsistency, and I'm thinking, this is great. We're taking on a Houston team, not very good, worst record in the Western Conference. They come in, and they took care of business against the Bulls at the United Center. When I leave the United Center, I replay that game in my head, driving home. Mm-hmm. Not only the game, but the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Did I describe this play accurately? And I still listen to my tapes um, every every week because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I stay on top of what got me to that place. Because it's one thing to get there. It's harder to stay there. I'm going to hit the pause button. We have to for a second. We're going to check news, and uh, we're going to lock the doors. Chuck can't leave, so stay with us. Steve King and Johnny Putman on WGN Radio and for Lisa Dent. And we we have to shut up and talk now because <laughs> off the air during the news and the commercials, we've been reliving a wonderful times of our life with yeah. our dear friend Chuck Swirsky. It, it's so good to have you in the studio. And, thank you. And again, it's great. Thank you so much for the invitation. It means a lot. It, it's great seeing the two of you because, I mean, it's been, what, 28 years? Yeah. Least, yeah. I left GN yeah. in uh, August of 94. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm. my gosh. And again, I'm hitting the blatant plug button. The book is called, and it's available at? ChuckSwirskyTheBook.com. ChuckSwirskyTheBook.com. Very simple. But, um, you know, I, it was a labor of love putting the book together. It took me about maybe a year for notes. I've been keeping notes forever. Mm-hmm. But then to, you know, say, okay, where do I want to put things and what do I leave out? What do I yeah. – uh, but I'm, I'm writing actually a second book. Good. Yes. Good. Well, is there anything that you personally experienced when you were writing the book where you wrestled with, do I go there, do I do I address this? And I think one of the reasons Johnny is mentioning that is because we wrote one book about our friendship with Les Paul. We're working on another book uh, that is going to deal more specifically with our lives in radio. And there are some things that we're kind of wrestling with okay, do we really want to mention this? This could damage someone's reputation, and I don't no, think we're you know going to do I, that. You know what, Steve? I, I did not want to go there. Right. Um, and that was part, and I'm, I'm so thankful the people at Eckhart's Press were on board with this, because mm-hmm. I did not, there are tell-all books, and then there are stories. Exactly. And yep. it's a huge difference. Yep. And I've seen a lot in my lifetime, as you have. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, this is, this is a book about four Ps that are very important in my life. And that's passion, positivity, purpose, and more than anything else, perseverance. Because I think if you are going to survive in anything, you've got to have perseverance mm-hmm. because there are going to be some really mm-hmm. difficult days there are going to be some dark days but you got to grind it out and then you've got to surround yourself with positive encouraging loving caring people mm-hmm. and people that are going to be in your corner 24 7 not 24 5 24 7 and so that's what this book is all about 
I mean, you well, know, it's, there's some wonderful stories about perseverance and passion in the book. I would suggest for, for one of your upcoming books, all you need to do is take the first post that you do on Facebook almost every huh. morning. I, I, uh, Chuck and I are friends on Facebook, too. And you do some of the most positive. You start your day with something really positive for everybody else. Just saying, okay, make today a good day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, it's well, it's sincerity from my heart because I want to see people succeed. I have no agenda whatsoever in my life. I never have, never will be. I, I'm not bitter. I'm not envious. I'm not jealous when other people do well in their jobs. I want to celebrate with them. And that's the way I was raised. And Johnny mentioned my mom. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from her because she was 43 when my dad died. And my mom was an elementary school teacher at a parochial school making $5,500 a year. Mm-hmm. When my dad died, she took on two additional jobs. One was at a gift shop in a hospital. And the other was in a theater company where she worked behind the scenes and also, at times, on stage. But she would work from 6.30 or 7 a.m. in the morning, come home from school at 4.30, change or eat with us, and then go to work at the hospital at 6 o'clock and would come back at 10 and then would work the weekends, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and some Sundays at the theater. So when you see somebody who never complained, mm-hmm. just said, this is what we're doing and this is how we're mm-hmm. doing it, and I'm saving money so the three of you can go to school, you have special, special people in mm-hmm. your world. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm so blessed to have had that person in my life, and that person happened to be my mom. Well, Chuck, there are so many good, heartwarming uh, stories in your book. And just when I thought I knew you, I'm reading the book and I'm getting all teary. And But it's in a good way yeah. because I'm so happy for you. You're living a good life uh, and you really haven't changed all that much, which is a good thing. Uh, people are, are reminiscing. We, we are very active on the text line and they're typing in, oh, I remember when Chuck changed a tire for a woman yeah. and it was the wrong tire. <laughs> it was the wrong tire. Yes. At Jewel Osco in Wheaton. <laughs> yes. And then Excuse me, young man, do you know how to change a tire? <laughs> no. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, could you please help me? I'm just going to run in. You yes. know? And, uh, okay, sure. Okay, and what's changed. that? It's a jack? Oh, okay. And I changed the wrong tire. She goes, thank you, man. I pay you. No. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm heading into the Jewel Osco, and I, you know, all of a sudden I hear this, the thump, the thump, the thump. <laughs> and I look, I changed the wrong tire. So I ran in the Jewel Osco, and I went through those doors uh, with the produce department, the swinging doors, mm-hmm. and it's just brutally cold there. And I'm next to a, like a, a, a stand of lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers, and I'm hiding. The guy goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I say, quiet, someone's looking for me. I love that. Yeah. And, And of course, Bob got a lot of mileage out of of that story on the radio. Yes, he did. And uh, where I tried to uh, take a peel off a bathtub, and I used uh, sulfuric acid. Oh, my I just bought a can. I didn't know what it was for. You know what? Some Saturday night when the Bulls aren't playing, you have to come on our new show, and you have to come sit and chat with us. Will you you come back? Absolutely. This has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, Chuck, thank you so much. His book is always a pleasure, and it's the one and only Chuck Swirsky.